Thank you, Lord, for this gathering, Lord, to come into your house to give you honor and glory, Lord. God, our path, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us with your wisdom, your God, and your strength, Lord. And always, Lord, thank you for sending your precious son, Jesus, to die on our cross for our sins. And it's in your mighty name that we do pray. Amen. Amen and amen. And as we continue in praise and worship, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 51. Hymn 51, take the name of Jesus with you. We'll do the first and last verses. Hymn 51, first and last verses. Take the name of Jesus with you. Sing along, hymn 51. Uh, take the name of Jesus with me. Child of sorrow. You may be seated.
Amen and amen. Now, if you're able to rise, we'd love for you to join us in singing another hymn, which is At the Cross, At the Cross. Amen. Hymn 121. Because of what he did at the cross, we know that his strength is perfect. Amen. For those of us who believe and trust in him. We'll do the first and last verses of At the Cross, first and last verses of At the Cross. Sing along. Alas, church you may be seated we're glad that you're here this morning thank you for being here being a part of central park if you're a first-time visitor if this is your first time with us and you did not receive a visitor card if you slip your hand up right now our ushers are going to come and give you a visitor card they're going to ask you to fill that out Uh, and uh, after the end of the service out in the foyer i'll be behind a desk and behind that desk it says welcome And I'll be back there, and I would love for you to fill out that card, and then I will exchange that card for a gift bag. I have a gift bag I want to give you to thank you for coming and being a part of Central Park Baptist Church. We're so thrilled to have you, and we're so excited that you're here. Thank you for coming and being a part of Central Park Baptist Church. Now, take your Bible, if you would, please. Not preaching time yet. Pastor's not here. Uh, how many remember Brother Sharon preaching at our, our missions conference? Remember him? Brother Sharon's church is doing something to honor their pastor this morning. I, um, I just can't quite hear myself. If you, uh, can you all hear me okay? All right. I got a big mouth, and I can turn it up right here. I got this. Anyway, um, and so they asked him to come, uh, the church did, and do something and preach something special for Brother Sharon as they celebrate him at the church today. So that's where he's at. But take your Bible, if you wouldn't, open up to Luke 16. I want you to see this as we get ready to take our offering. Luke chapter 16. I was reading my Bible this morning, and I came across this, and I said, wow. I didn't see it in this context before. I'm always getting something new. Um, I'm always learning something from the Word of God. And so uh, it's, um, let's see. Luke 16, uh, Luke 16 and verse uh, number 10. He that is faithful yes. in that which is least yes. is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in much. Mm. 
If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's money. If you're, not, if you're unfaithful, if you're not faithful with your money, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I thought about that. That's tithing. That's tithing. God's talking about tithing there. See, your tithe isn't yours. It's the Lord's. And if you can't be faithful with that which is another man's, he can't trust you with other things. And then he says, if I can't trust you with your own money to do the right thing with it, then I can't give you anything extra either. Look again what it says in verse 11. There, if therefore you be unfaithful with that which, with unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? God wants to bless you and I beyond belief, but he cannot bless us as long as we hoard our money. That's my money. But the Lord asked for tithes and offerings, but that's my money. And God says, okay, you can be that way, but then I can't give you all the things I've provided for you that I've already made for you, that I've already created for you, and I want you to have them. And then that which is his, or another man's, if we can't be faithful in that, he can't be faithful in those other areas for us either. And he wants to. That's why he's telling us this. That's why he's telling us this. He wants us to be able to be blessed in every aspect of our life. God is not opposed to you being wealthy. Neither am I, because that means more tithes and offerings. I mean, um, and neither am I. God's not opposed to you having riches. But he says, I can't give you that too if I, if I can't trust you with what I've already given you. So let's pray for our offering. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your truth. Lord, I want you to be able to trust me. I want you to be able to trust the folks of this church. I want you to bless not only our lives, but our finances and every aspect of our life. And so, Father, we give ourselves to you as we take this offering. May every penny that comes in glorify your name and be used for, the, for the, your work as you see fit, please. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, come and give it right now. Ties and offerings. Um, at this time, is it? Okay, amen. At this time, uh, 
children, fifth grade and under, children fifth grade and under, you are now dismissed for junior church. The Korean ministry is now dismissed for Korean church. And the rest of us, if you're able to rest upon your feet, we're going to sing a verse and a chorus of There is Power in the Blood. And then we want you to briefly greet each other as we prepare for this morning's special hymn 362. Hymn 362, There is Power in the Blood. may be seated.
Thank you, Brother Will. Man, I wish we could make an album of his music. Uh, this way I could shut him off once in a while. I mean, um, a beautiful voice. He just relaxes me so much with the truth. What a quality in a voice and what a servant Brother Will is. I, I appreciate him. I love him. And uh, he has, he's been here a long time. It shows. He's old. And, uh, um, but we're awful appreciative of him. Take your Bible this morning if you would. And open up to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Oh, didn't we just read that? Oh, a different part of the Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. If you found your place in the Bible, if you'll stand in, uh, in reverence and respect to the Word of God, we're going to read starting with verse number 19 in Luke chapter number 16. Luke chapter 19 and uh, chapter 16 and verse number 19. If I haven't, if I got you lost, just read anywhere. It's all good. Verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Right. And besides all of this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Mm -hmm. So that they which would pass from thence to you cannot. Mm -hmm. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Mm -hmm. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would sendeth, uh, uh, that thou would, uh, would send him to my father's house. Yep. For I have five brethren, 
that he may testify unto them, lest they come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. By the way, one did go from the dead, and people still aren't repenting. Verse 31, and he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. My favorite subject to preach on is heaven. The older I get, the sweeter heaven becomes. Many folks I've led to Christ are now there. Many of my uh, previous church members are there. Much of my family has already gone there. And I look forward to going there myself. And that's my favorite subject. When I was a young preacher, I wanted to preach on hell. Amen. But today, God's asked me to do something that I don't like to do as much anymore, and that's preach on hell. And I want to speak on this subject today. Hell is real. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. Right. Hell right. Right. is real. Right. Father, thank you for this morning. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd flow through me to your people and you would be the voice that they heard and not mine. That you would convince and convict us of our need to do more for you than we've done in the past. We live in a day today as we're nearing your return. And we can't lose sight of the reason that we're here or the work that you've given us to do. So Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and our lives and draw us closer to you. And if there's someone here today that does not know for sure if they died, that they would go to heaven, may today be the day that they receive you as Savior, please. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Years ago, I was a part of a volunteer fire department. In the, when there was a fire in our area, we would be the first to get the call. One day about noon, the phone rang. The voice on the other side said, fire at, and they gave me the address. I, read, I wrote it down, and as I was running down the hill to the fire truck, uh, I saw one of the other fellows. I told him about the fire. We ran down to, the, to, get, uh, to get to the truck just as one of the other men were crawling into the seat to drive the truck, and we went to the location of the fire. As we arrived, you could see the flames were shooting up from the windows of the house. Five, six uh, feet into the air, a tremendous fervent heat that had shattered the windows and the glass in the home and melted all the electrical fixtures on the outside of the home. Quickly, we put on our coats and our boots. We put on our helmets, and we started to roll out the hoses. Tension mounted when a next-door neighbor came running out, screaming, I think there's someone in there! I think there's someone in there! Now, we, we had two choices at that point. One, we could have said, ma'am, do you really believe that an all-loving, eternal God would, would uh, uh, let someone perish in such a hot flame? Or we could have donned our oxygen tanks, gone into the house, and searched for that person that was in there. You say, preacher, you did listen to that person, didn't you? You did go in and try to find that person that was in there. You wouldn't let a person burn in that flame, would you have? Well, of course, no one in their right mind would call that woman a liar. 
This true story I've been telling you is just as true and just as real as Luke chapter 16. We have just had a wonderful opportunity by God to look into eternity and into hell and see a rich man who died without Christ. Quick, quick, give them the gospel message while we can before they go. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save before they go. Hurry, hurry, fight the devil, fight your flesh, fight the world and give the gospel to everyone who will listen before it's eternally too late. Just as that hell was on, or just as that house was on fire. Hell is on fire. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't like this this idea, we don't like this concept, but the truth is, hell is real. The Bible tells us that hell is real here in Luke chapter 16 and verse 23. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. God uses that word, hell. And we know what's going on there, torment. And this man is in such great torment that he's begging Abraham, who's the wrong person to be asking for any. Abraham has no power. Amen. But he's asking Abraham to please take, the, take, take Lazarus, have him dip his finger in the one drop of water. I'm in such torment. If he just puts one drop on my tongue, it will relieve some anguish. The Bible tells us in Luke 16 that then hell is real. Some people will say to me, Preacher, you mean to tell me you really believe in a real, eternal, fire and brimstone styled, torment filled eternity in hell? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And this guy in Luke, he sure seems to think so. Mm -hmm. You can tell him that the flame isn't real, that it just represents, you know, an expression of God's view. But that's not what he says. Go ahead, you could tell him that he's just, it's just a pretend place to scare us into going to heaven. You can tell him that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's still burning in torment 2,000 years later. Yeah. You can tell him that you don't really believe that there's quite a place like that, you know, and that God is too merciful for that. Well, you can tell him that, but it's not going to ease his anguish or pain because hell is real. There are four things you and I need to know. I'm going to give you those four things this morning. Number one, hell was not made for man. Hell is not made for man. Hell was not made for you and for me. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. I hate to get in the Bible involved with this, but we're going to. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. Then shall he say unto them also on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down into hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. God did not intend for man to go to hell. Hell was made for the devil and all the angels that followed him. God loves you. God loves me. He never intended for this to happen. It was never made for man. Revelation 19 
and verse number 20. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 20, and the beast was taken. And with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, uh, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and of them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. We commonly call that hell. Here we see a real life picture of these hellish, devilish, wicked, vile men being cast into the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10. The devil that deceived him was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Oh, we just saw them go in. Amen. And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hell was made for the devil. Hell was made for the beast. Hell was made for the false prophet. We can see that then, that hell is not made for man. Never was made for man. Never was intended to be used for man. But number two, man got caught in the devil's trap. Man got caught in the devil's trap. God never intended for man to go to hell. Man fell into the same trap that was laid for the devil, the beast and the false prophet and the angels that followed the devil. They all got caught into the same thing. God said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the first part, for the wages of sin is death. That death is in hell forever and ever. That is what the devil was made for the devil, the false prophet, and all of them for the fallen angels. God never expected man to get there, but man got caught in a trap. Years ago, when we first got married, uh, we got a little puppy for a wedding gift. Who would ever give anybody a puppy for a wedding gift? I have no idea, but somebody did. And we had this little dog, and we were, we were living in a church building. I was pastoring in our first church. I got $25 a week. I was overpaid and understaffed. We... Uh, uh, we, uh, we, ha- we lived in a place where we had no running water, except if we ran and got it. And we had, that was your running water, right? And then we had outhouses. We did have electricity. It wasn't 1904, but it was 1981. I remember we uh, drove our own well with, uh, with, uh, with pipes. We drove it into the ground and Water came up and woohoo! Now we got water. Never did get anything but in outdoor plumbing. Amen. But God was good and the church grew. But while we were there, we were we uh, lived on the edge of a thousand acre wood preserve, and we had bears that would come out of the preserve. This is in northern Michigan, and if you've never been to northern Michigan, you are going to get bears. Brown bears come out of the woods. Amen. And I won't tell you what they do to you, but they'll scare you real good. And, uh, but brown bears will come out of the woods, and they would. And I, my, wife would have, my wife was expecting uh, our second daughter, and uh, so she'd say, honey, I got to go to the bathroom. And she'd say it in the middle of the night. I'd go out stand with a flashlight between the building and the outhouses to make sure that she got there safely without a bear getting her. One day she was running out there and she fell on her tummy and she was so great with child that she rocked back and forth. Neither her feet nor her hands would touch the ground. I laughed so hard. 
She was screaming at me for laughing, but I'm sorry, it was funny. She'll laugh now, but... And our, we would teach our dog to not go run around because bears will eat a dog. A quick little tidy meal, but they would eat a dog. And we would set some traps for things, you know, rats, mites, squirrels, bears, whatever. And one day I heard, oh, Brownie, that's his name, Brownie, he was a brown dog, Brownie got caught in the trap. And immediately I went out there and released him. I didn't set the trap for him. I kept telling him to stay away from those areas. But he didn't listen. And guess what? He got caught in that trap. That's man. We got caught in that trap. God didn't want us to go to hell, but we got caught in a trap. Death in hell, death is in hell forever, away from God. This death of sin applies to anything and anyone that sins. The angels that sin, they're there. People that sin and will not receive Christ as their Savior, they're there. The beast and the Antichrist, they're there. The devil is there. God didn't make it for man. But Revelation 21.8 tells us what happens. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderer and the whoremonger and the sorcerer and idolater and all liars. Uh-oh. I'm not a murderer, though I thought about it from time to time. I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a whoremonger. I'm not a sorcerer. Though I am a liar. I've never met somebody who hasn't been. We raised four kids. They all figured out how to lie. You know, it started out when they were infants. They'd scream. We used diapers, okay? We didn't know what pampers were. They had not been invited, invented yet. Yes, we are elderly. And so uh, we used diapers, and the baby would start screaming. And my wife would go, I wonder if the pin unclapped, because that used to happen. And would stick the child, and, you, and the child would start screaming. So you go in there, and oh, she wasn't being poked by the pin. Nope, she wouldn't take a bottle, so she's not hungry. Nope, she didn't have to burp, because, you know, they will scream if they have to burp. What's wrong? Nothing. I just screamed like that so you'd come and spend time with me. But nothing's really wrong. Liar. Scream like something was wrong. Liar. Because we're all guilty of that. Amen. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. You may not think you're a big sinner, and you may not be. However, I've never met anybody who hasn't told a lie. I never have. And if you say to me, I have never told a lie. You just told a lie. You know, nanner, 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 you are a liar. You know that. We're all guilty. Yes, we want ourselves to look better. You know, I'm not so bad, you know, but we all are. And if there's any sin that's so easy for a man to commit, it's the committing the sin of lying. You know, just before your mom wanted to kill you and she said, I'll tell you, I'll give you one more chance. Did you break that? And you have half of it in your hand and the other half is on the floor and you say, liar, liar, pants on fire. That happens many a times in the life of many children. Amen. Because we lie. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9, 8 and 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. 
in a flaming fire take vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Man must go to a real, literal, flaming, eternal hell if they do not receive Christ as Savior. I wish I could tell you that wasn't true, but it is true. I wish I could say, well, it's just, a, it's just a, you know, a, a, an illustration. No, it's not just an illustration. It is real. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's what Jesus said. Both our bodies and soul will be cast in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone because of our sin. God never wanted you and me to go to, uh, to, go to hell. He didn't make it for you and I. He made hell uh, for, for the devil and all those that followed him. He made heaven for you and I. That's where he wants us to go, is to go to heaven. But man got caught because man wanted to do his own thing, do his own will, have his own view, have his own opinion, do what he wants to do rather than what God tells us to do. So man got caught in the trap because the wages of sin is death. And as we saw in Revelation 21, 8, which is the second death. Number three, God made a way for us to escape. Boy, God's good, isn't he? Just as I rushed to Brownie, as I heard him screaming, and released that spring so that he could get his foot out of that trap, God has come to you and me and said, I did not make this trap of hell for you. Let me open it up and let me free you from sin. As much as Brownie tried to get out of that trap, the more he tried, the worse it became for him. And ladies and gentlemen, the more we try to be delivered by our own self, the worse it becomes for us. But God sends his son, Jesus Christ, down from heaven and opens up that trap and says, I have set you free. And we are free. We are free. Immediately, God provided a plan to rescue you and I from hell. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten soul, son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the absolute opposite of everlasting death. That's the opposite of hell, heaven. That's what he made for you and I. That's what he desires to see every human being go to heaven. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. Thank the Lord he is long-suffering. I told my Sunday school class, praise the Lord he's long-suffering. You know, the Bible says, that Peter said to Jesus, how many times do we uh, forgive somebody? Seven times? And he says to Peter, no, seven times seventy. And I'm so glad my God is so long-suffering that, see, I filled that 7 times 70, 490, the first two weeks I saved. Yeah. 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 
And I'm glad he just keeps on forgiving and long-suffering and long-suffering and long-suffering and long-suffering. Because you're looking at a man that is far from perfect. If you ask my wife who's not here this morning, she's at my daughter's in, in Kentucky. But it, um, if you asked her, she could pull out a list that would go all the way down this aisle here. Oh, let me tell you about his sin. Why? Because I'm guilty. But he's long-suffering. He's long-suffering. And it says, as it continues in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus wants you and me to go to heaven, so he allowed his own son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. See, we can't free ourselves. Say, well, you know, what if I go to church all the time? Well, thank you for coming. We're glad that you're here. It can't get you to heaven. This is not the launching pad. I say, what about if I get baptized? Oh, you just got wet. That is not a launching pad to heaven either. Amen. It can't do anything but get you wet. It's just a symbol. See, I got a wedding ring on my finger. Now, I've been married 43 years. It won't come off. I got too fat. But uh, I got a wedding ring on. This ring did not marry me. If I could get it off, which would probably take a surgical procedure, uh, and I took it off, I would still be married. Why? Because the ring didn't marry me. It's a symbol. It's a symbol that somewhere I got me a wife. Amen? And that she's my wife and I'm her husband. And we're together as one before God forever. That's what it says. That's what it's about. That's a symbol. It doesn't marry me. If I take it off, it doesn't make me divorced. It just makes me get slapped really hard. Put that thing back on. I used to take it off and spin it, you know. My wife would say, one of these days you're going to lose that thing. Put that back on. Now I'm so fat, you've got to spin me. Baptism is a symbol. It doesn't save you. It just tells everybody you're saved. It can't save you. It's powerless. The water did nothing for you. Jesus did everything for you. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. And the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the king of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sin. In his own blood. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, Central Park Baptist Church, I love Central Park Baptist Church. I love the people of Central Park Baptist Church. I don't really care for this building because the building isn't a church. It's just a building. It's a place that gets hot or cold and you're one of them this morning, either hot or cold in this building. But you're the church. The people are the church. And I love God's church. But you can't get me to heaven. You can't even get you to heaven. Yeah. If you try to, oh, I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good, ah, you're going to do wrong. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I promised my mama I'd be good, only to get a spanking 10 minutes later. Uh, I have promised and promised and promised God, I promise, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'm glad he doesn't send down lightning and get me. I'd be jumping all the time. I'd be like a French fry. I'd be so burnt up. Amen? And I'd still be getting shot at. Why? Because I can't do it myself. 
Central Park can't do it for you. No religion can save you. No baptism can save you. No sprinkling can save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Acts 4.12. This is my favorite verse. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Boy, that's pretty plain, isn't it? Only Jesus can save us. All we have to do in order to go to heaven is receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. If we never receive Christ as our Savior, we must pay our own sin debt, and that debt is in hell forever. And number four, my last point. I got one more point and a story, and we're done. We can go home about 45 minutes from now. <laughs> number four, we must pull others from the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We must pull others yeah. from the fire. Our job as saved, born-again people is to tell the lost world right. of Jesus' great Saving grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God wants us to give the message of grace out to everyone. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye in, therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things for whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He wants us to be his testimony, his witness. Uh, he wants us to give the gospel out to everybody in your backyard, everyone in your neighborhood, everyone in your town, everyone in your city, everyone in your state, everyone in the United States, everyone in the, every country around the world. That's what his desire is. He's willing that none should perish, but that all should come unto eternal life. We're to win the loss to Jesus. Say, well, preacher, I believe everything you've said so far, but everything you've shown me, but I'm not really sure that I believe in a really eternal burning hell, and I don't know if you can really tell somebody how not to go there. Oh, are you a Calvinist? I'm sorry. Um, a Calvinist is someone that believes it doesn't matter who you are. You're appointed to go to heaven. And that takes out this word, whosoever. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not whosoever that God appointed from the beginning of this world. Whosoever means anybody. Whosoever means fat, skinny, tall, short. Young, old, gray-haired, black-haired, blonde-haired. Well, we're not too sure about the blonde. And uh, uh, red-haired. Everyone. He wants everybody to go to heaven. Bald-headed fellas. Sorry, I didn't mean to leave anybody out. God wants you to go to heaven. God wants you to heaven. He wants to give you heaven. He never created hell, a real burning eternal hell for you. 
He never really, he never created a real, live, burning, eternal hell for them. So he's told you and I to go out and tell them. Can I tell you why he doesn't use angels? Because angels don't know what it's like to be saved. I remember when I got saved, first thing I wanted to do was tell everybody. I wanted my mama to go to heaven. I wanted my daddy to go to heaven. I even wanted my sisters to go to heaven. I wasn't sure about it, but I still wanted them to go. I wanted everybody to go to heaven. I told my aunts, my uncles, my, ne- my nephews, my nieces, my cousins. My- I told everybody. Why? I want them to go to heaven. I don't want them to go to hell. We're already going there. I'm already guilty. Doug Marco. Guilty. Guilty. You little guilty. I am. But God said, I love you. So I'm going to die on the cross to pay for your sin debt. Be, be, be buried, raised again from the dead so that you never have to go to hell. If we really believe hell's real, then why don't we tell them how to escape? If we really believe beyond our comprehension that hell is real, why do we do nothing about it? Why don't we show up on Saturday morning to go door knocking and soul winning? Why don't we tell our neighbors? Why do not we carry track, gospel tracts with us and be able to hand them out to people so that they know for sure that heaven's their home? Why do we ignore everybody? If we believe in a real eternal hell, why do we not tell them how to escape it? It's beyond my comprehension how people can believe that hell is real and absolutely do nothing about it. Well, I'm saved. That's good enough for me, you selfish, self-centered Christian. Amen. By the way, this is preaching. This ain't the liberal stuff that comes out today. This is preaching. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we need to stand up for the word of God today. Get the gospel message out. Tell everybody. If I was a church of Christer, you know what I'd do? I'd go rent me a pump fire truck. And I'd drive up and down the road. They believe in baptismal regeneration. And I'd be, baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son. Why? Because if they think that baptism will save someone, then they ought to go out and get people baptized. Hello? But we're Baptists. We say we believe the book. We say, I'm King James only. You're more King James only than you are hell is real telling people about heaven. It means that there are folks that are going to hell like the rich man. He's been there for 2,000 years and will never, ever, ever get out because nobody told them. Things that really matter, the things that go on in our life, most of the things that we do don't matter at all. You know what? Your cell phone don't matter. It's going to bust. You're not going to get an update. Then it's not going to work. Your clothes don't matter. We'll spend more time and money on picking up. Do I look good in this? Does it make me look fat? Hello? Yes, sir. We spend more. Those shoes make my feet look too big. That's why I wear boots. It don't matter. Boots make everybody's feet look big. Clothing shall pass away. We spend 40 hours a week at the very least chasing the dollar. And we want more of it. We always want to raise. We always want a better position. 
We always want to work less for it, but we want it. And we'll spend more time chasing money than we ever will telling anybody the gospel message. Television. I'm going to say cell phone television now. Facebook. Oh, look at that. Isn't that a funny cat? Oh, look at that dog. He looked like a little boy. There's a gorilla there getting out of the water. Look at them run. We spend more time doing that than giving somebody the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We're so selfish, self-centered, everything is about I, 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 me, me, me. Now, some of you may be getting upset with me, and that's okay. Don't bother me. It's not my message. It's God's. People have been mad at me before. People will be mad at me again. Now, I'm going to tell you one story, and this is what drives me. One story, and we're going to give an invitation. Years ago, I was pastoring a church, going to college, working a job. I was a truck driver. I was in, I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan is where we lived, and I would drive uh, from Detroit to, to Cincinnati to Indianapolis, all these towns everywhere around Michigan and all these other uh, states, northern states, and we would exchange parts for cars, okay? We would, we would build this part for this piece, and then they'd build that part for our piece, and you'd be building car parts, and that's what we carried. And uh, I would, uh, while I was driving, I'd be memorizing scripture. I'd put all my notes from class on three-by-five cards and try to drive and look at my three-by-five card at the same time. I used to go to this one place in Toledo, Ohio. And I'd back my truck into the truck pit and jump out. And there was a young man that was working there. He was a senior in high school. Really nice guy. Had a great smile. We would talk. We talked about football. We talked about baseball. We talked about the weather. We talked about parents. We I wasn't that far away from him in age. I was maybe 22 years old at the time, and he was 18 years old. We had a lot of things in common. One day I pulled into the truck pit, and I got out, and the Holy Spirit said, witness to him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I said, you hear our conversation. He's not interested in that. As soon as I start talking to him about that, you know what you're going to do? You're going to shut up and walk away. Lord, I know what's going to happen. And so we start talking, and we're having a wonderful time. He's telling me about graduation coming up in the next week or so and how he's excited about graduating and what all the things he's going to do after he graduates. We talk about all those things, and the Holy Spirit the whole time is saying, witness to him, witness to him, witness to him. And, of course, I know better. I keep saying, Lord, he doesn't want to hear. He's not going to listen. Finally, my truck is... uh, loaded with parts that we're going to go work on. And the man comes to me and says, sign this, and I sign it. We close the back. We seal the back of the truck up. I jump up into the, the cab of the truck. I start the truck up, and immediately conviction comes on me like I have never experienced in my life. You should have told him. I told you to tell him. You should have told him. 
Man, I started praying right then. Lord, please help me to come back here quickly. I promise you that when I see him next time, I'll witness to him. All the way back to Ann Arbor, Michigan, I, I prayed. Lord, please save his soul. Lord, pray, please don't let anything happen to him. Lord, please put him under conviction that when I talk to him, he'll, he'll receive you as Savior. Please, and for the next two weeks, I, every day I'd go into work, I'd say, do I have to go to, do I have to, go to uh, uh, um, uh, Toledo? And the, No, not today. Oh, man, I kept praying every day. I was praying for him. I was praying for him. I come in on a Thursday. No, it was a Wednesday night. It was a Wednesday. And, and the, my boss says, okay, you got to go to Toledo today. Woo-hoo! All right. I jump into the cab, the cab of my truck. I drive there as quickly as I possibly can without breaking too many speed laws. I drive there as quickly as I can. I back my truck into that pit faster than I've ever backed a truck into a pit, and it was straight. That in itself was a miracle. I jump out of the cab. I don't even see anybody. I start w- walking through the factory. I'm looking for this guy. He's not in the. He's not in the receiving department. I go over to the to the uh, uh, delivery. Oh, he's not in the delivery section. Um, I go into the, the 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 factory part. I open up the door. I go into the factory part. I go into this department. He's not there. I go into this department. He's not there. I go into these departments over there. He's not there. I go to the inspection department. He's not there. I go to every crack and crevice in the factory that I knew about because I had gone there so many times and talked to so many people, I knew where they slept when they were supposed to be working. And I checked all those areas, and he wasn't there. Finally, I found the foreman, and I said to the foreman, do you know where so-and-so is? And I called out his name, and he said, oh, you haven't heard? Heard what? He's dead. What? He's dead. What do you mean he's dead? She said, you didn't hear? On graduation night, he went out with a bunch of his buddies. Back then, you could ride in the back of a pickup truck. It wasn't illegal. He was driving down. They went down what's called a two track. If you're not from that area of the country, it's just two ruts in 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 a field. Going down a two track, they hit a bump. He flipped them out of the back of the truck. They backed up to go get him. They ran over him, and he's dead. He's dead. And he's in hell. Because he didn't have any Christian friends. And the Holy Spirit had begged me to tell him And I didn't tell him. He's in hell right now burning and has been burning since 1980. He's been burning in hell and burning and burning and it's my fault. My fault. I should have told him. But I didn't tell him. I thought I knew better than God did. one day he'll come out of hell for just a moment. It's called the white throne judgment. And he'll stand before God. This is what the Bible says. All behind the Lord at his judgment will be us, his saved, those 
whom he created the new heaven and the new earth for. And I'll be up in that crowd, and Jesus will call his name. And the Bible says, and the books are open. And the book of life is opened. And he'll say to that young man, I never knew you. Depart from me that you worked iniquity. And I know as well as I know my name. He's going to look up there in that crowd and he's going to find me. And he's going to say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me I would have got saved? No, no, don't throw me in. No, not again. No, please, no. And he's gone. And it's my fault. Ladies and gentlemen, hell, it's real. That young man is there now forever because I would not tell him. I wonder how many people will be in hell because you refuse to go. Because you say, well, I don't know how to talk. Or you make up every excuse in the world why you can't go. Why it's not important. But let me ask you a question. How did you get saved? Did someone tell you? Well, then if someone told you, then you need to tell someone. Because, ladies and gentlemen, hell is real. Father, thank you for the truth we've learned from your word. I just not look forward to that day when he stands before you. If I could take his place, I would gladly do that, but I can't. So please, Lord, please never let me do that again. Please give me the courage and the strength and the boldness to tell everyone I know and everyone I see about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Please don't let me fail you or fail them either. Please, Holy Spirit, take this message down deep into our heart and make it real and come alive and help us to realize that we play a part in people's eternity. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around, I may say, Brother Marco, if I died right now, I know for sure I would go straight to heaven. I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know heaven is my home. And I'd like to raise my hand to testimony of the fact I know I'm saved. Would you slip your hand up, hold it up nice and high, wave it towards heaven and remind them that you're coming. And then you can slip your hand down. How many say tonight, today, Brother Marco, if I died right now, I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. I know I don't want to go to hell. Brother Marco, would you pray for me that I would not go to hell, but that I would go to heaven? Brother Marco, pray for me. Would you slip your hand up, hold it up just for a moment that I might pray for you that you would not go to hell, but that you would go to heaven. How many say today, preacher? Brother Marco, pray for me. I've got family and friends and work companions, neighbors, distant relatives who are on their way to hell. Brother Marco, pray for me that I would have the boldness 
and the courage to give them the gospel message before it's too late. Brother Marco, pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Hold it up nice and high. Hands literally all over this auditorium this morning. Thank you. you may put your hands down. In just a moment, we're going to give an invitation. And the only way to get that started is during this invitation, if you'll move from your seat and tell God that you're serious about this and ask him to help you reach those people. Father, thank you for the hands that were raised today. Thank you for the truth that you've given to us today. Thank you for your word. And I ask Holy Spirit to make it real, make it true, make it understandable for each one of us individually. And please, Lord, again, if there's someone here today that does not know you as Savior, I ask today would be the day that they'd receive you as Savior. Be with us, those that raised our hand and we have loved ones and we need boldness and courage and strength to tell them, I ask that you'd provide that for us because you said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find, knock, and it shall be given unto you. So Lord, I ask that you'd help us, encourage us to give our burden to you and to you make us into the gospel message deliverers that we need to be. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. God spoke to your, hand, uh, your heart. You raised your hand. You come right now as Brother Yule sings. Oh.